Well, today we're talking about dreams. Uh, Elon Musk, at the inception of SpaceX, uh, had a dream to populate Mars. I mean, how crazy is that? He had a dream that mankind would be an interplanetary species. Uh, It's a crazy thought. And uh, in an interview, uh, someone asked Elon, uh, what inspired this dream? Where did this dream come from? And he shared to the, uh, the journalist that the dream really came from a desire to wake up every morning with something to hope for. Something to hope for. Every one of us is created for dreaming. We're created to, to hope for something, to put our hope in something. The Bible says that, that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It's not just when a, a hope is deferred, but it's when hope itself is deferred. Every one of us has been created to dream. And why are dreams so important? Well, well dreams are the way in which God speaks. It includes our, our hopes, our aspirations for the future. And it's more than just a pretty picture. Do you know, growing up, I used to I love wildlife documentaries. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love watching these wildlife documentaries, Blue Planet, Planet Earth, these BBC series. And, uh, um, you know, it's funny, I'd always find myself getting emotionally involved in the lives of the animals that I'm watching. And everyone's uh, backing the, the baby seal that's lost its parents. And we all get nervous when the, the killer whales are on the, on the prowl. Uh, but I was watching a, um, a documentary about the African savannah, and they were talking about the springbok or the antelope. Now, springbok uh, grows to a height of around about uh, 80 or 90 centimeters, but at full flight, at full pace, a springbok can jump to a height uh, of over two and a half meters. That's crazy. But, you know, to fence an antelope in, all you need is a wall that's just above eye level because an antelope won't jump over a wall if it can't see what's on the other side. Now, that's, that's the power and the significance of dreams. Dreams enable us to see what's on the other side of our present obstacles. They give us what we need to, to jump over those walls, those obstacles, those things that are stopping us. It, it puts a passion in our heart fire in our bones. It gives us a a reason to wake up every morning and face our day with excitement and expectation. And the Bible says that a dream realized is a tree of life. And so today I want to speak to you about the life of a dreamer. Today I want to speak to you about Joseph. So we're going to follow the the journey of Joseph, starting out on his his father's farm as a sheep herder and uh, being sold to Midianite merchants, to, to being sold to Potiphar, to being thrown into prison, to being thrust into the very position that he dreamed of since he was young. Now the Bible tells us that Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob, the, the child of his old age. So, so why was he his favorite son? Well, to understand the answer to that question, we need to go right to the start of Jacob's love story. And it says here in Genesis Chapter 29 from verse 9. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Now since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But get this, his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Everyone go, oh, man, isn't love a a beautiful thing? And here we see a a love story unfold. 
uh, between a man named Jacob and a woman named Rachel. It was love at first sight. I remember the, uh, the moment I first saw my wife, Destiny. Uh, we're on top of Mount Eden, and I, I, I saw her in the distance, uh, this, this exotic, beautiful babe with uh, hoop earrings and an attitude to match. You know, she was amazing. It was love at first sight. Uh, Jacob loved Rachel. He was head over heels. And in order to earn the right to marry her, he, he told her father he worked seven years. He agreed to one term, but after seven years, he was deceived by Rachel's father and uh, given Rachel's older sister Leah to marry instead. Reluctantly, he was allowed to marry Rachel, but only after agreeing to work for another seven years. I mean, the dude worked 14 years to earn uh, her hand in marriage. And, and in this story, we observe there's two distinct attitudes. Firstly, there's the attitude of Rachel. See, Jacob's passionate to response to Rachel is unparalleled. There's, there's nothing like it in Scripture. He was instantly moved by her. Love at first sight. The Bible says that after Jacob proposed to Rachel that, that she instantly ran to her father to get permission. She was ready to respond to the one she had been waiting for. She, she wanted him. She was moved by him. She was moved for him. She was moved to him. It was 100% relational. She hadn't even stopped to ask him about his financial situation or his future prospects. She had no idea what was in it for her, her inheritance, the benefits, except for Jacob himself. And then you see the, the attitude of, of Leah. See, a complication arose for Jacob when he found out that Laban had two daughters. See, according to tradition, the older one would have to be married first. And he thought he was marrying Rachel, but, but her father snuck Leah into the deal. And while Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance, uh, all we know about Leah is that there was no sparkle in her eye. There was no spark. Their, their relationship it functioned by, by principles, not passion. So Leah was married to Jacob, but, but it appears only in a, a logical, practical, and legal sense. She, she seemed to look to him more for what he could offer than who he was. You know, Leah looked for the, the normal convenience of, of life that, that marriage would provide. And, and this, this offers us a lot of insight into the way that we approach God. For those who relate to God like Leah does Jacob, you know, uh, they know the Word of God, but they don't know the God of the Word. Yeah, sure, they might read their Bible, say grace, pray, give, attend church, but, but really it's out of a, a sense of duty. Their faith is preoccupied by life insurance and, and death benefits, but they have little vision for anything more. Uh, they don't know God's heart for the nation, so they don't, they don't approach Him that way. They've, they've heard of God's plans, but, but they have no vision to, to see that they can see those plans fulfilled in their lifetime. And then there's those who relate to God like Rachel does Jacob. Those uh, people aren't satisfied with, with others telling them what God's saying. They need to hear God's voice for themselves. They, uh, they, they're constantly seeking Him for something fresh. You know, they're frustrated when they can't hear His voice. They're, they're driven out of relationship and out of a, a deep level of intimacy. They become aware of what's important to Him. See, Rachel and Jacob had a love at first sight relationship. Leah was in it for the legal benefits, the security, the, uh, the inheritance. But, but Rachel was in it because she was madly, passionately in love with Jacob. Leah had access to everything. She was entitled. But it was only Rachel that could move Jacob to crazy acts of passion and favor. And Joseph was the firstborn son 
of Jacob's relationship with Rachel. See, a relationship that was fueled by passion, that was motivated by love. And it was this relationship that gave birth to a dreamer. So where do dreams come from? It begins with romance. You know, uh, it comes from a, a living, love-filled relationship with God. When you begin to approach God, not, not for what you can get, not centered around some legal transaction, not, not, not for security, inheritance, or benefits, but out of a desire to be close. When you discover God's love for you and how far He'll go to prove it, it's then that you'll be in a position to hear what God is whispering, His, His dreams for you, His hopes and desires for your future. So, so what are dreams? Dreams are the language of the Spirit. It's the way in which God speaks. See, God wants to put a dream in your spirit, yeah, a hope for your future. He wants to inspire something in you. In this season, in the summer season, God wants to speak. He wants to awaken something that's been sleeping. And so here we see Joseph. He grows up in his father's house. He's, he's the favorite son. He's got 10 older jealous brothers. And, uh, and it says in Genesis 37 verse 5, it says, One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. In fact, it goes on to say this. Uh, soon Joseph had another dream. Obviously, he hadn't learned his lessons the first time around, and, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. So what do we do with our dreams? What do we do when, when God inspires something in us, when there's a, a sense that there's something more? Well, I believe that the every dream starts that, like that. It starts as a feeling. It starts as a sense that there is more. That the way things are isn't the way things are meant to be. It starts as this divine frustration. There's a sense in you that you can't quite articulate. I believe in those situations, the best thing you can do is declare it, it is talk about it, is share that, that sense, those feelings with the people around you. And when you start to speak it, when you start to declare those dreams, putting them into words, it begins to crystallize the dream that's in your spirit. The best thing you can do when there's a dream in your heart is share it with the people around you. And so Joseph declared his dreams. And one, one thing you find and you discover is that God's dreams, they initiate God's process. When, when Joseph declared his dream, it kicked off a process in Joseph's life, a, a process that would prepare him for the very thing that these dreams required. A, a journey began. He was, he's being prepared to rule and to reign. And, and that the very same dream, it actually sparked jealousy in his brothers. That jealousy turned to hatred. They, they, they decided to throw him into a pit and made plans to kill him. But instead, had him sold into slavery. Genesis 37, 28 says, So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the pit and sold, uh, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. See, declaring his dream thrust Joseph into a journey that will prepare him for his destiny. And, and just for the remainder of our time together, I'd like to talk about the, the four promotions in Joseph's journey that would lead him to his destiny. The, the promotions and the tests that accompanied those promotions. And the very first place you find Joseph 
is in the pit. It's in the pit. Now, now the moment you declare your dream, what it can do is it draws attention to, to, to the season you're in in life. You know, it highlights where you are and, and where you want to be and the, the gap that's between them. And sometimes that gap can lead to discouragement. It can, it can cause you to become despondent. And it can feel like you're in a pit. It can feel like there's, there's something on the inside, but it doesn't connect with what's on the outside. You know, there's, uh, what I see doesn't connect with what I know to be true, what, what I know in my heart. And you can get discouraged. You can feel like you're in a pit. But uh, I find it interesting that the, the, the brother who initiated drawing Joseph out of the pit was Judah. Now, the word Judah, it means praise. See, there's something about praise that has the ability to lift us up out of the situations that we're in. It lifts our eyes to see from God's perspective. Praise is powerful. In those places of discouragement, sometimes the best thing you can do is, is praise and lift Him up because it lifts your eyes. It allows you to, to realize the fact you're seated with Him in heavenly places. You, you, you gain heaven's perspective. And so He was lifted out of the pit, which led Him to the second promotion, Potiphar's house. And it was in Potiphar's house that he found his character tested. It says in Genesis 39, chapter, uh, verse 1, it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. And as he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed uh, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Now, now what you see here is, is everyone around Joseph is being blessed. I mean, his brothers were blessed when they sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Uh, the Midianite traders were blessed. They benefited. Potiphar's benefiting. Everyone's benefiting except Joseph. Joseph handled a massive amount of wealth with, without ever having his own supply. And, and this was a, the ultimate test of his motivation. You know, was he okay with being a blessing to the people around him without, have in, without having any of that blessing splash back on himself? See, see, God will often test you by first prospering someone else, seeing someone else move forward. And I really believe that the key to unlocking the dream that's in your heart is by serving the dream of another. Serving another person's dream, coming underneath uh, and helping them. And yeah, you know, this... This gets harder when it's complicated by the fact that, that the person being blessed is, is not, isn't even a good person. Uh, I mean, many of us are happy to, to serve Elijah if we're his Elisha. We're willing to serve Moses if, uh, if it helps us become a Joshua. We're, we're willing to submit to Paul because we're his Timothy. But, but what about serving someone who has nothing to pass on to us? Someone who doesn't even agree with what we believe in. Someone who doesn't encourage you, appreciate you, acknowledge you, or, or any of the sacrifices you make. Well, what do you do? What do you do in those situations? Here's your answer. Joseph faithfully served Potiphar, who did nothing for him in return except wrongfully throw him into prison. I mean, that's, that's a pretty sobering truth. But you may be serving a Potiphar. But if you can determine in your heart 
that God has positioned you there with purpose in mind. Tell you what, you can learn to serve like Joseph. You know, to, to make things even more complicated, in walks Potiphar's wife. It says here in uh, verse 7, Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Now, now Scripture tells us that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, right? He's, he's a good looking guy. And obviously he's made an impression. And often in life, success can catapult us into a place of temptation. In this case, temptation came in the form of Potiphar's wife. Right, Potiphar's wife was, was hot for Joseph. I mean, she was past sliding into the DM. She, she, she had swiped right. She had, she had made her mind up. She had made a decision. She wasn't shy about it, right? She made her intentions clear. She, uh, she wanted to sleep with Joseph. So she propositioned him day after day. And because of his position, right, it might have seemed that this dream of, of ruling and reigning had finally been fulfilled. This was, uh, after all, Potiphar's a pretty important guy, right? He's, he's an officer of Pharaoh. He's the captain of his guard. Uh, he's an important man. You know, no one would blame Joseph for thinking, this is it. I've arrived. All of a sudden, all that sacrifice and hard work, struggling to do what's right, it's finally paying off. And it would have been natural for Joseph to think, you know, if he'd slept with Potiphar's wife, he could at least secure his position in Potiphar's house. He, as long as he wasn't caught, he could have secured his destiny. No one would need to know. After all, he carried a lot of, lot of clout in the household. He could keep the secret easy. But if he did, he'd be advancing a, a very different kind of kingdom. See, see temptation can come in, in a whole bunch of different forms. Uh, cutting corners at work, gossiping behind someone's back, pulling other people down in order to get ahead. Skipping out on paying taxes. I mean, some are big and obvious. Some are small and inconspicuous. But to see real change, to see broken people made whole, to see families healed, to see a a nation restored, to see policy influenced, to see industry transformed, to be a light in dark places, to bring hope, to see the kingdom of God advance. You know, we we don't just need good, faithful Christians in places of influence. Because the reality is, is we already have good, faithful Christians in places of influence. What we need is we need people who are faith-filled and prepared to stand. See, the problem is that we can be in all the right places, but not advancing the right kingdom. So the question isn't, are are we in positions of influence? The question we've got to ask is, what are we doing with the influence that we already have? So so what kingdom are we advancing? When we operate as the world does, we're advancing the world's kingdom. So the kingdom of God, it advances when we make a decision to stand for what's right. That's why Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is, get this, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Joseph stood strong. right? He resisted temptation, but in the absence of any witnesses, with her word against his, After trying his best to do the right thing, Joseph was put in chains and sent off to prison. Apparently now off the fast track to his destiny. Well, so we may think, which leads him to his next promotion, the prison. The promotion that would ultimately test his conviction. So 
It says here in Genesis 39 verse 20, So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything and the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, now, now Potiphar didn't put him in any normal prison. Now, he put him into Pharaoh's prison of all the prisons that he could end up in the entire nation of Egypt he puts him in Pharaoh's prison already you can see God's hand on Joseph working all things together for good Joseph was in Pharaoh's prison which meant he was now closer to his dream than he'd ever been this was a promotion yeah sure it was a heavily disguised promotion but it was a promotion nonetheless now, now, if you were to take a step back and, and look at Joseph's life, one of the, the constants you'd observe is a, a consistent incremental increase in confinement. See, slowly but surely, Joseph's freedoms are being stripped away. He started out as a, a shepherd in his dad's farm. You know, he was a son of the house. He could do what he wanted. He could come and go as he pleased. He, he could roam the fields and all the fresh air. He was free. Then he was sold to the Midianites. The Midianites were prone to moving around. Sure, he was restricted to their movements, but they could move from place to place. He then found himself in Potiphar's house, where he was confined to one place. Yeah, he may have had authority and he could move around freely, but, but he could never leave. And then after his experience with Potiphar's wife, for the first time in his life, he finds himself locked behind bars. So he was closer to his dream than he'd ever been, but now he had less freedom than it ever had. You ever felt like that before? Yeah, maybe you, you got promoted, but it feels like your freedom's been stripped away and you're overwhelmed by the responsibility that comes with it. Maybe you've just bought a miracle house and, and all of a sudden that, that first mortgage payment's leaving your account. You know, maybe you just landed your dream job and, and they're already starting to ask you to work, for, work overtime. Maybe, maybe the, the business you just started is beginning to blow up. But now you're so busy that, that you've got to rethink your holiday plans. Maybe uh, you're able to miraculously conceive, but now you're up at 2 a.m. Uh, changing nappies and uh, washing spew off your T-shirt. See, this was a test of faith. The one who dreamed of ruling and reigning had never been less free. Even worse, he was there because he tried to do the right thing. So to, to do something great in life, a choice needs to be made. Am I going to embrace restriction or am I going to rebel against it? Because the reality is if you're going to do some great things in life, there are some freedoms that you're going to need to lay aside. Now, now if this was me, to be honest, I'd probably be sulking about now. You know, and uh, if Joseph has sulked at this point, this, to be honest, it probably would be as far as he'd go. He'd spend the rest of his life preoccupied by, by what he couldn't do. You know, dreaming of the good old days at Potiphar's house when he was the big shot and he could do whatever he wanted, when life was easy and he had everything he needed. However, Joseph didn't sulk, but he made a decision to lean into the very thing that led him to this place in the first place, and that was his intimate relationship with God. And get this, even in a place of confinement, even in prison, with freedom stripped away, the Bible says that whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Imagine that. 
You know, many of us stress over questions like, is God going to bless this venture that I'm heading into? Is he going to bless me? But instead of asking for God's blessing, why, why not make a decision to align your life with what he's already blessed? You know, when you make a decision to align your life with God's plan, he'll cause everything you do to flourish. Can, can you imagine being in a place like that where you had the confidence that everything you did, everything you leaned into, God would bless. You had the weight of heaven behind you. See, this is, this is uh, what Joseph did. Even while in prison, he carried God's favor, which would lead him to his final promotion, the palace. And it was that promotion that would test his calling. Now, now a few years had passed and the chief uh, butler and baker, they'd fallen out of favor with Pharaoh. They, they found themselves in prison. And, and while in prison, they, they both had dreams. They'd heard of this prophetic guy named Joseph who, who could interpret dreams. And so they presented their dreams to Joseph. And Joseph filled them in on the, the, the good news, bad news situation. And in three days, the, the butler would be released and restored. But in three days, the, the baker would be hanged. And it all worked out as Joseph had said. And, and just a few days later, the butler was released and restored to his position in the palace. And with an audience to Pharaoh himself, the, the butler promised to mention Joseph to Pharaoh and get him released. Can you, can you imagine what got, what's going through Joseph's mind? His journey's nearly over, right? He had more reason to hope than ever. Can you, can you imagine the feeling? that Joseph had. This is an 11-year journey of prison, where each day hoping for freedom, holding on to a dream, and now I'm finally free. This is it. Any day now. And then a, a week goes by. Another week, a month, two months, six months, nine months, a year. Two years pass. The Bible says it this way. It says two full years. Right? They dragged on and on, testing the very foundation of what Joseph had built his life on. Has God forgotten me? The greatest destiny in life will almost always be preceded by a moment where we feel forgotten. We feel like God's abandoned us. Like Jesus on the cross, every dream needs to be put to death. Why does it need to be put to death? Well, only so that we could realize that there is one thing more important. The one who gave us the dream in the first place. Every dream must be put to death so that God can resurrect it. This was a test of Joseph's calling. And in a moment of inspiration, the, the butler, he remembers Joseph. He, he drops his name to Pharaoh and he calls on him to interpret a dream. And after successfully interpreting, the, the Bible says that Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like him so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You'll be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. In a moment, everything changed. In a moment, Joseph's life was instantly transformed. See, he was, uh, he was thrust into the fulfillment of his dream. And all were commanded to bow to him. Even his, his brothers would eventually bow before him. The fulfillment of his dream. However, Joseph had gone through such a process 
that he no longer cared. See, this is the kind of journey God's calling us to go on, to discover the difference between a dream and a call. Joseph had a dream to rule a nation. God had a dream to save a nation. And when Joseph pursued his dream, he discovered his call. See, the purpose of the dream in our lives is to to fuel us on the journey towards our call. See, Joseph understood his dream, but it wasn't until he reached the palace that he discovered a call. I really believe in the season that, that God wants to awaken a dream in the hearts of every person, that God wants to awaken. I even believe prophetically there's been seeds that have been sown and they've been lying dormant in people's spirits. And I believe that there's going to be a rain. A rain's going to come and it's going to cause those seeds to, to take root, to grow deep and to grow and break new ground. I believe that, that dreams are going to come to realization, that, that even uh, uh, dreams that have been put on the shelf, dreams that have been retired are going to be resurrected. I believe God's going to resurrect dreams where there's been disappointment, where people have, have settled, where people have, have resigned themselves to, to life. And, and as it is right now, I believe that God's restoring something. He's resurrecting something. And so I love to pray. Take this opportunity to pray for every person in this, who's watching today. So if you'd like to join with me, why don't you close your eyes and just position yourself to receive. Holy Spirit, we take this opportunity to acknowledge you. I thank you for the seed, the dream seed that's in everyone's spirit, Lord. I pray that you would speak. And in this moment, that dreams would be restored. I pray that, 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 that dead dreams would be resurrected, Lord. I pray that you'd do a miracle in people's worlds, in people's lives. I thank you that we're heading into an incredible season, that 2021, Lord, you're, you're going to be uh, moving in a way that you never have before, Lord. So I just speak your blessing. I speak your favor over each and every person. Lord, we hold on to you just as Joseph did. And Lord, we lean into you knowing that you are good and you're working all things together for good. We trust you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.